Hello, pod people. This is just a reminder that Big Bad Nonsense can be found on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Send us an email, bigbadnonsense at gmail.com, or find us on Twitter at bigbadnonsense. If you like the show, share it with a friend. Is Jesus the answer? To what? (laughs) I love it. Questions that prompt a question. Yeah. Makes you think. Um, (laughs) Considering I don't know the question, I'm going to go with maybe. (laughs) That, That would be something important to, you know, provide. Because if the question is, who was born on Christmas, that would work. Hello, pod people, and welcome back to yet another episode of Big Bad Nonsense. My name is Sock, and sitting with me, a man who is wanted in 36 of the 50 states for the crime of basket weaving, Biscuit. Hey, um, what what do you call a blind kid with no legs? I don't know, what? Name. Uh, if we were ever going for any sort of political correctness on this show, it's not. It, I, 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 my, my hopes have been dashed completely and totally. Was it worth the wait, folks? <laughs> waka waka. <laughs> yes, welcome back. I would like to apologize that it has taken us so long to get to our tenth episode. I'm not apologizing. I hope it fucking ruined your month. <laughs> <laughs> All those people waiting with bated breath just for our next podcast to come out. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it, you assholes? I can't go to work. I'll miss it. <laughs> so, Biscuit, this is a landmark for us. This is our 10th episode. And who would have thought we'd get this far? And it only took us, what, 10 months? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Big Bad Nonsense, the Type E podcast that comes out whenever we what? Yeah, we we'd like to do it more, but you know, life gets in the way. We are amateurs. We admit it freely. We are amateurs. Uh, we do have jobs. We have lives. We have things we have to do that pay bills because this does not. <laughs> No, we haven't gotten that big advertising contract yet, but it's coming. Oh, definitely. It's down the road. Normally, this is the place where we do the mailbag, but most of the emails that we got in the mailbag were just people writing the word boat. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is fantastic. So, yes, people, I did get your emails, but you weren't the only person who thought of it. Uh, as As clever as you think you're being, we got maybe like, four or five, actually maybe six or seven emails of people just writing boat. I'm glad that resonated. <laughs> it seems to have anyway, right? So like we, we've gotten the boat emails. Sit back, close your eyes, do whatever it is you do to get in the mood for a podcast, and we're going to continue on with the show. <laughs> All right, welcome back, pod people. Biscuit. What? I got some questions for you. That's good. Okay. So, the first question I have for you is, uh, you've mentioned on the the show before that you got up to a few hijinks when you were younger. I cannot confirm or deny that. Okay, well, I'd like you to confirm some things because I was just curious, like, 
Could you let us in on any sort of terror that you might have inflicted on your neighborhood? Terror inflicted on my neighborhood? Mm -hmm. um, I did some of the Halloween shit, you know, just grab a pumpkin off the front steps and just go running down the street and then just chuck it up in the air behind you, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, I had my dog shit on somebody's lawn every single day that I didn't like. Mm -hmm, Does that mm -hmm. count? Yeah, that works. Really I mean, like, any sort of annoyances that you might have caused your neighbors. Uh, I think the best one was probably unintentional. Like, I was a little kid. I was out playing stuff with my mom. And uh, the next-door neighbor, they were watering some... They had, like, a wall of shrubs, that sort of thing going on. It just... It was hideous. They didn't know what the hell they were doing. They all looked like they are going to keel over at any moment. Mm -hmm. And I was just like... Mom, why does Mr. Bruce water them when they're just going to die anyway? <laughs> and she was like, oh, shit, and, like, cut my mouth and, like, tried to get me out of there. And, yeah, that that guy didn't like me. No? Okay. Ever break a window with a baseball? Not a baseball. I threw a phone through one once from the inside, so I terrorized myself. Oh, okay. Um, how about this? H have you ever exposed your neighborhood to 1,000 times the normal background radiation? Not yet, but I'm working on it. <laughs> how would you go about doing it? I, I think if I just, like, contained a bunch of my own farts, that would probably do it. <laughs> okay, that is the first of the Chekhov's guns that I'm going to lay on the table. That's going to pay off a little bit later. The other question I have for you is, were you ever in the Boy Scouts? Oh, no. No? No, 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 no. No, not something you would ever have been interested in? Not really. I don't think it was something my parents ever tried to get me into. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I did, like, Little League and that sort of stuff, but Boy Scouts, no. No? I was in the Boy Scouts, and I absolutely despised it. It sucked. Absolutely sucked. It, it looks like it sucks. Well, here's the thing. is it does and it doesn't. It seems to vary depending on your location and the people who do the organizing for your local troop or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, the troop I was in, the scout leaders were absolutely useless. They didn't know anything. They didn't teach us anything. As an example, one year we were camping and they gave us a flint and steel and told us that we had to start a fire with it. Now, Biscuit, I don't know how much of an outdoorsman you are. <laughs> oh, I think you kind of do. <laughs> anyway, anyone who knows about flint and steel knows that you can't just really figure it out, especially not if you're an 11-year-old kid. But they basically told us that, you know, you have to start the fire or you can't eat the hot dogs that we're going to cook over it. And we said, we have no idea how to use these two things. Why don't you show us? And of course... I'm assuming that they didn't know because they refused to show us because who wouldn't show an 11-year-old how to use a flint and steel? Like, you don't just say, hey, here, make a fire, right? It's it's a more complicated thing than that. I, I would think some instruction. I mean, I right now figure it out eventually, but right now it take me a minute. Well, yeah, it, and I can tell you the next year when we went on the same camping trip, what I did was I went to the local library as like a kid and looked up how to use a flint and steel and I went and showed you know my fellow scouts how to do this like I had to find out at a local library 
And uh, I even went to apply for the fire starting or whatever merit badge because I learned that in several other ways, but they refused to give it to me. Why? Why? I think I was despised by the troop leaders because I would frequently ask them questions to which they didn't have the answer. Well, it didn't sound like that took really going that far out there. Well, no, exactly. And the thing is, like, I wasn't doing it maliciously, but I would look up things in the scouting handbook and ask them for more help with things like that and, like, you know, how do I get these merit badges? And, of course, they didn't know, and they assumed I was trying to make them look stupid. And, of course, here I am, and I... (laughs) Here I am... You really need the assist. Yeah, and here I am, I'm teaching, like, other fellow scouts how to start fires and all these different methods... Something that they've yeah, that, never taught us to do. That That's a story that'll warm up parents' heart. An 11-year-old teaching a bunch of other 11-year-olds how to start fires. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We need, we need more of that. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, needless to say, as far as people thinking about putting their children in scouting, I would say check out your local scouts chapter and find out, you know, send your kid to a few and see if he learns anything. And if he doesn't, take him out and send him to the local library or find a new scout troop. Right, and if you find any of those queerosexuals in there, make sure to report them. Oh, that's right. The Boy Scouts of America has a big issue with that or something, don't they? Uh, yeah, yeah, they're very open about being gay is fine, just not here. Oh, yeah, and, and like I think they're one of the few scouting organizations that's really particular about it. As far as I know, I mean, this isn't exactly a topic I dedicate a lot of time to, but I think they're the only one. I think the Girl Scouts are like, yeah, we don't give a fuck. Anyway, any organi- any youth organization that excludes youth for any reason or another doesn't seem like a good youth organization to me. Uh, no. Considering the whole point of it is to, like, teach cooperation and equality and togetherness, if you're excluding people, that's kind of counterproductive. Mm. Well, we're going to be talking today about a man who was a Boy Scout, and a very uh, determined one at that. Uh, I'm going to tell you the story of David Charles Hahn. Yay! (laughs) Boat. So anyway, the story of David Hahn. He was uh, a kid, born in 1976, and uh, he liked to experiment with stuff. Uh, He was given a book by his grandfather about chemistry. Uh, Basically, simple chemistry experiments you can do at home. Like, you can still buy this stuff today. Like, you know, you you can even buy them in kits and stuff like that. Buy first chemistry kit stuff, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like, learn how to make, like, a little expanding foam thing or, like, make this reaction and change these colors or whatever. You know, little science things for kids to get them interested in science. Yeah, I think I had one. You know, your parents think it's a good idea, and then you make this huge fucking mess, and they're like, why the hell did we get them this? And then you never see it again. But I think I had one. Well, speaking of huge fucking messes, uh, David (laughs) Hahn... (laughs) Ooh, I like this segue. (laughs) David Hahn made a few. Uh, with this chemistry book, he was researching all kinds of different things. Uh, he, at one point, was playing around with red phosphorus. If people, oh, good. Yeah, if people don't know what that is, it's, uh, think like the head of a match. I think, courtesy of Breaking Bad, most people do know what that is. It was, I'm shooting over your head, aren't I? Uh, I'm trying to, well, I, I've seen Breaking, you know, it's funny. I still haven't seen the final season of Breaking Bad. I've seen, like, the first four, but I still haven't seen the fifth one. It's in... Either the first or second episode, you know, when the 
um, guys they're trying to make Walt give the recipe and he just throws that shit on the ground inside the RV and slams the door. That was red phosphorus. Oh, was that he that? He basically gasses them. Yeah. Oh, okay. See, I don't really remember, remember the chemistry from the show. But yeah, I remember that scene. And now that I've completely fucked up your story arc, go ahead. Well, no, you haven't, right? Because that, that leads in perfectly because it's volatile. So he filled up yeah. a jar of it, uh, a jar of red phosphorus, and uh, he shook it around and the jar exploded, uh, filling his hands and eyes with glass. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> I hate when that happens. Yeah, I guess safety goggles are for losers. Yeah, well, I mean, apparently he was just trying to get one permanently installed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He survived that, of course. He didn't have any permanent injury from it. But I guess he was always making explosions and things like that in his parents' basement, or his mother's basement, anyway. <laughs> You'd think she'd get curious at some point. Well, evidently not curious enough, because she eventually just said, okay, I'll put him in the shed out back. Okay. Son, <laughs> it's fine if you keep blowing yourself up. You just gotta do it further away from me. To help channel his efforts... Uh, they enrolled him in the Boy Scouts. So that's where we're going with the whole Boy Scouts aspect. And I bet he showed them how to start fires. Oh, it's good that you mentioned that. Because one time, <laughs> on a Boy Scouts camp, he was trying to make uh, homemade fireworks with powdered magnesium. Homemade fireworks is a phrase that rarely ends well. <laughs> well, they never got to the fireworks part because somehow him and his fellow scouts set fire to this pile of powdered magnesium. Good, okay. I don't know how much attention people paid in chemistry class out of our listeners here, but if you set fire to magnesium, it burns, it burns bright, and it burns hot. Isn't it also, if it gets wet, bad things happen, or am I thinking of something else? You're thinking of sodium or potassium. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I didn't pay attention chemistry. I failed, but... <laughs> Learning is fun! Le well, le hey... You know, if you're not going to learn it in chemistry class, you might as well learn it from Big Bad Nonsense, right? Yes, and we're certified in all 50 states as school stuff. <laughs> Once again, listeners, I'd like to remind you that you should not take any educational aspects out of this. If you start writing essays or tests and you recall anything from Big Bad Nonsense, try to put it out of your head as quickly as possible, whether it's history, physics chemistry we've clearly shown that we're not responsible for anything that could happen to you if you follow our whatever this is unless it's a claim that i make directly in which case you should confront your teacher with it and debate them <laughs> okay so david hahn back to him he was a very good scout uh he I think he finally achieved the level of Eagle Scout, which uh, I, I believe in the United States is like the highest level of scout that you can get. I think so, yeah. Yes. Now, of course, scouts, they have these merit badges, as we were talking about before. They have merit badges for a whole wide variety of different things. What would you think you could get merit badges for, Biscuit? Like fires and not tying and mm -hmm. sailing and that sort of shit from... What I recall, right? Mm, like a I'm whole... on the on the right track. Yeah, yeah, like a whole variety of skills, right? So they could be as simple as you know survival things like knot tying or fire making, uh, and they can be a whole variety of things. Like you can get them for religious education, you can get them for other skills. Uh, Ooh, what that that one's pretty agenda driven. Well, I I think it's more like a religion in the world 
sort of thing, like a religious study sort of thing. Well, I'm I'm not a Boy Scout, so I I, I couldn't tell you precisely. Yeah, you you didn't make the cut. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I am an avid outdoorsman, an avid hiker, but Boy Scouts had nothing to do with that. The whole point is that there's a big gamut of different things you can get a merit badge for. One of those is nuclear power. Bullshit. Yeah, no. <laughs> now, in most of the sources that I looked up, uh, they say that it's a merit badge for atomic energy. But if you go to the uh, Wikipedia page for Boy Scout merit badges, I only found nuclear power as one of the options. So, like, you get a merit badge for, like, building a fucking nuclear reactor? No, that's not the scope of it. Like, some of these badges <laughs> are just... <laughs> some of these badges are just for educating yourself in these things. Like, you, you read up on it and you make, like, a little project about it. And then you present the project, and then you get, like, the merit badge saying, oh, I researched this. Oh, okay. Okay, so there's the nuclear power badge. Basically, you do a project on it, uh, you research it, you show that you're knowledgeable on the subject, and you get the merit badge for it. There's several subjects like this, so nuclear power is one of them. So it's like a book report badge. It's like a book report badge. It's more of like a technical project-oriented or research-oriented badge instead of like a practical skill like knife sharpening or knot tying. Right. Okay. It's funny that you mentioned building a nuclear reactor. It's funny that you mentioned building a <laughs> nuclear reactor. <laughs> because David was not content to just do a research-oriented merit badge. Right. Because if he just liked talking about it, we wouldn't have much of a story. No, we wouldn't. Oh boy, we wouldn't. Because David decided to build a nuclear reactor. And your initial question on the story leads me to believe it didn't work great. <laughs> well, yeah, let's go back to that Chekhov's gun where you, <laughs> where I asked you if you've ever exposed your neighbors to a thousand times the uh, normal background radiation. Because that was the ultimate end of what happened here. I'm excited I'm going to learn how to do it. <laughs> Well, I'm not going to teach you how to build a nuclear reactor. Oh, but this podcast sucks. <laughs> Let's be honest here. Neither you or I would understand enough of the technical details to follow through on building a nuclear reactor. I tried to build a bookcase the other day and failed miserably. So yeah, I probably can't get nuclear physics down. Was it from IKEA, complete with instructions? Uh, no, it I mean, essentially the same sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, one of those ones that says easy assembly on the box. Like, yeah, I bet you son of a bitch. And okay. I, it, I can't even put anything in it because I don't think it can handle it. But go on. All right. Anyway, so David was not content just to research nuclear reactors. Having researched all this stuff, he thought, why don't I try and build one? And that's exactly what he did uh, in the shed that his mother had relegated his experiments to. As... That's a good place for a nuclear reactor. Mm -hmm. Actually, a shed. from what I've read, uh, you know, people call it a, a nuclear reactor, but in reality, the scientific term term is a neutron source. So it's not designed to produce power; it's just designed to produce neutrons. It it's irrelevant. It's all radiation production, basically. <laughs> It's irrelevant because I have no idea what the fuck that means. Okay. Like, you know what? I'm not even going to try to explain it because I'm not even sure I understand it as well. Most of the, of the sources of uh, the history of David Hahn refer to it as a nuclear reactor. And it's essentially a very similar thing. It produces radiation for 
some sort of specific purpose, usually like power generation or some machine that runs with radiation as its uh, focus. The first thing you have to ask is, if you're going to build a nuclear reactor in your backyard, where do you start? That is a very good question. Okay. Already you've got David I think Hong. I would just, like, spray paint a can neon green. <laughs> and just draw the, the, the radioactive symbol on it? Uh, yeah. Like, done. <laughs> well. Mama, look what I built. Uh, David wanted results, so he did a little bit more than that. Now, you have to wonder, like, nuclear reactors, nuclear equipment is is kind of a precision thing. They're put together by engineers and scientists who have had many years of training in this. So you have to wonder, how could a Boy Scout do it? David Hahn was resourceful. So you first have to ask the question, where would you get nuclear material from? Russia. <laughs> You're not far off. <laughs> Great. <laughs> because at one point he did import uh, some nuclear material from Czechoslovakia. Oh, there you go. Okay, so from my home country, we are a nuclear Good. state. Uh, he Good imported. Job. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> some fucking kid calls you. He's like, "Can I have nuclear shit?" And you're like, "Yes." Oh, why do I sound like this? But yes, we will send you some. <laughs> He or, he specifically ordered uranium from Czechoslovakia, okay? So, not a state that exists anymore, uh, but at the time, it was the Czech Republic and Slovakia. We were one state, but we are nuclear states, and we did ship him some uranium. I, I, I didn't know that is a thing you could do. I would have thought that the postal services would stop yeah. things like uranium. Yeah, they ask you, like, are you sending any hazardous materials, but I guess you can just say no. Maybe he was the reason they introduced that rule? I mean, I, I'm just thinking here, if I, like, put into Google right now, ordering uranium, like, how quick would there be a knock on my door? Well, here's the thing. He did pose as a uh, physics teacher or a chemistry teacher or something to go around and get a lot of the nuclear material he needed. Look, here's the thing. When you build a reactor... <laughs> You can't just throw a bunch of stuff in a pot and be like, it's a nuclear reactor, or your solution, like, spray paint a can neon green. Oh, I you, still like that one. You have to have a format for it. So he called around to a bunch of places, pretending to be a school teacher, asking for information about nuclear reactors and how to put them together. So that's how he got a lot of his design ideas. And then another thing he had to do was then get these radioactive materials. So... He had to go around. Now, where do you get radioactive materials from? One of them is ordering uranium from Czechoslovakia. Of course, this wasn't enough. Uh. One thing he did was he ordered uh, large amounts of uh, smoke detectors, 200 smoke detectors. The, shouldn't that... Okay, first of all, how's he paying for this shit? Well, here, all of his experiments, because he would buy lab equipment and stuff like that, he worked part-time jobs all the time, and I guess he poured all of his spare money. So in addition to being a Boy Scout, Eagle Scout, and all that, he worked uh, lots of extra jobs to make money to fuel his chemistry hobby. So how old is he at this point? Well, when he built his uh, reactor, he was 15 years old. Okay... And so nobody looked at a 15-year-old that wants 200 smoke detectors like, huh, that's kind of unusual. Like, normally they're trying to buy baseball cards or porn or something. Well, 
again, like he was posing as a as a school teacher for this. So I don't know. Uh, Maybe a school teacher has a legitimate reason to buy these things. Hello, I'm Professor Doctor. I would like two hundred smoke detectors, please. <laughs> The reason he ordered the smoke detectors is because uh, the sensors in smoke detectors have americium in them, which is radioactive. Good to know. Yeah, now I, you know, right? It's like, but of course, these sources are very small, right? Like, there's like a tiny amount of this americium in it, so he's got to order 200 of them and strip this stuff out of 200 smoke detectors. He's just basically buying them, disassembling them, taking out the tiny radioactive part, and just tossing the other stuff aside, I guess. Gotta recycle. We only have one planet. <laughs> if someone's building a nuclear reactor in a shed in their backyard, I think the hazard to the planet extends beyond recycling. Uh, yeah, that, that's a valid point. A lot of this stuff that I read was very interesting. Like, apparently you can pick up radioactive material from all kinds of stuff. Like, uh, camping lanterns. Uh, now, most of the time when you go and buy, like, a camping lantern, it's like those, like, LED things where you charge it once and it lasts like right. a week or something like that. But, you know, in the 80s and 90s and even before that, camping lanterns, they had those little mantles. I don't know if you've ever used a camping lantern, but they have this little cloth-type thing that you put on it that sort of diffuses mm. the gas. Okay, forget all the science stuff. It has thorium in it, which is radioactive. Obviously. Yeah. and uh, thing... Or you can just, like, go get a sandwich at Arby's. <laughs> Are those radioactive? I've never eaten at Arby's. I'm pretty confident they are. Okay. <laughs> I've only ever heard bad things about Arby's. Like, they're a running butt of jokes. Their meat comes in barrels, and they pour water in it and mix it into meat. Are you serious? I'm serious. Like, it's not even, like, uh, slices of processed meat they're well, just taking it, out something? It, well, it, they pour the water into the meat powder, and that's how it turns into something they can slice. Oh my god, how are we getting back onto, like, disgusting food things again? I I'm taking us down all sorts of roads today. Oh boy, okay. Another thing he did is he frequently went to antique stores to buy antique clocks. Okay, that by itself is fine. Yes, uh, but the reason he's buying antique clocks is, you know how when you buy watches now, they have those little glow-in-the-dark... Um, hands on them so you can see what time it is when like the lights go out and stuff like that in earlier in history like before we had the reactive stuff that sort of charges up in the the light before the lights go out they used to paint radium onto them that would glow in the dark good there you go that, that's a good decision <laughs> so this is where he's getting all his radioactive material from so he is resourceful like, I, I never would have thought, I'll, I'll get radioactive material by buying camping lanterns and antique clocks. But this is what he did. This, like, most kids, they get a, a part-time job, and they spend their money on burgers, uh, gas for the car. Weed. I, sure, why not? Uh, you know, something. They spend it on whatever hobby they love doing in their free time when they're not at school. He's buying antique clocks and smoke detectors to harvest radioactive material. Well, it's good to have a passion. Mm. It Even gets weirder. If it's carving radioactive shit out of clocks. But... Mm. He also bought a thousand dollars worth of batteries to get a source of lithium. That's like six batteries. <laughs> maybe it was uh, maybe it was more a better price to to goods ratio back in the 1990s. It was a different time. It was a different time. He had to, 
like it's amazing. Like you read through all this stuff because you know normally the people who the engineers who would build these things they just go to a guy and say give me some lithium, give me some this, and you get all the process stuff. He didn't have that, so he's got to rip apart antique clocks. He's got to buy rechargeable batteries, rip them apart to get lithium. Use that to purify the radioactive material. Like, I, I I can't even describe the whole scientific process here. We just get bored and lost. I mean, if there's one thing you can say about him, he's fucking dedicated to the bit. Yes, and he got so dedicated that he finally assembled his machine and switched it on. Yay! <laughs> Yay is exactly that. He had a Geiger counter. <laughs> I challenge anyone to, like, who, who, how many people know a 15-year-old with a Geiger counter? I've only seen them in video games. <laughs> it's the only reason I know what one fucking is. <laughs> so... He Give builds... me, want to come play baseball? No, sorry, <laughs> this is my Geiger counter. <laughs> Timmy's fucking weird. <laughs> he puts together his nuclear reactor made from lithium batteries, antique clocks, smoke Fuck detectors. Clocks. <laughs> smoke detectors. Uh, duct tape. Uh, and turns it oh, on. good. That, that's what I want to hear when somebody's mentioning the nuclear reactors. I want to hear duct tape in the fucking assembly. Okay. He turns it on, and lo and behold, it works. It starts outputting neutrons. Delicious neutrons. <laughs> Delicious neutrons. He turns it on and starts producing neutrons. But, of course, the radio, radiation levels keep rising. He's measuring them on his Geiger counter. And the radiation just keeps going up. This is a bad thing. Yup. Yeah. That part I do know. Yes. And uh, he doesn't know what to do. So he turns the machine off and he disassembles it. I don't know much about nuclear power. Biscuit, I'm sure you don't either. I'm an expert. Thank you very much. Okay, so you can explain what happened next. Yeah, the, the... Yeah, but why don't you do it just for fun? Okay, super. So, the... When you start neutrons, like a neutron reaction, like a chain reaction, in nuclear power plants, they control it by putting in, like, special rods that absorb the neutrons, and they control it very precisely, so that it doesn't just keep going and going and going. Now... I get a special rod for you. <laughs> keep it in your pants, Biscuit. Oh. Of course, he doesn't have... Like, he's built a, a nuclear reactor in his shed in his backyard. He has no way of controlling this. Radiation levels keep going up, even though he's turned off his reactor and dismantled it. Now, he's going around his neighborhood with his Geiger counter and checking it periodically from different places. So, eventually, it gets to the point where he can detect it from his bedroom window. Have then... you seen my neutron? <laughs> I lost them. It gets to the point where he can detect it from the street. Then he goes five houses down the street, and he can still detect it. So, the radiation levels keep going up. That's bad. That is bad. So, David's not stupid. He realizes that he's kind of put his neighborhood in danger. But Yeah. <laughs> Fair what, to say. <laughs> but when you build a nuclear reactor and it's gotten out of hand, what do you do? Who do you tell? What do you tell them? Ghostbusters. <laughs> not who no. do you call. <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> anyway, he dismantles his reactor, and he decides, I'll load it up into my Pontiac and get it out of here. <laughs> yeah. Go. Go. Yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> Here's where things take a twist. So he's loading the bits and bobs of his reactor into the trunk of his Pontiac. And I guess one of the neighbors sees him and mistakenly thinks that he's uh, stealing tires. So they call the police. Yeah, I, I frequently mistake nuclear reactors for a stack of tires. I don't know. I, I don't know what they saw. I mean, like, whatever. In America, they seem to call police for all sorts of reasons. Like, oh, that guy's walking. I'll call the cops or something. Um, that guy's black. Yeah, I, I should have said that, especially if they're a person of color. It's like they see them and instantly call the police because people yeah. of color are scary for some reason. But anyway. Like, what are you doing here? I live here. This is my house. I'm calling the cops. Mm. He must have looked suspicious enough because, I mean, David Hahn is as white as a sheet. Like, he's a freckly blonde white kid. So he must have looked suspicious because they called the cops on him. Mm -hmm. The police show up. He basically says, no, I'm not stealing tires. And the police say, well, can we search your car? And <laughs> this is this is the best part of the whole story. He responds, uh, no, you can't because it's radioactive. <laughs> well, I, I bet they haven't heard that one before. Well, yeah, I mean, and the, the average police officer isn't going to know what to think when you just say radioactivity to them. They hear radioactive and they immediately think, what, has he got like an atomic bomb or something in it? So... They call the bomb right. squad and arrest him. Uh, so, safe to say this isn't going how we hoped at this point. Yeah, exactly. They figure out what all of this is. He explains what it is. It's declared a hazardous waste site. Uh, the... <laughs> The APA declares it a super fun site. They come in and start to doing cleanup. Because... Did you say super fun site? Yeah. So it's like Six Flags? No, not super fun, super fund. Oh, okay. Like I the, the... that didn't make sense. <laughs> what, you thought the like, EPA came and turned it into an amusement park? Yeah, they like throw a ball pit in there. <laughs> well, <laughs> everything in America relates back to capitalism in some way, right? So they're like, we can make money off this. Sweet! Exactly. <laughs> Come see Skid Melt Mountain. Super fund. I think is the word, uh, if I've read all my sources correctly. I think this is the status that the EPA gives to, like, seriously contaminated areas or serious disaster areas. Well, isn't that most 15-year-olds' cars? <laughs> it's probably the first time the EPA has ever had to declare, like, the trunk of a Pontiac a hazardous waste site, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, see something new every day. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Anyway, they come around and clean it up. Uh, put all this gear and equipment into barrels. One of the things I thought was particularly funny, th at this point where everyone's involved, where the EPA and the police are involved, uh, the, the, the reactor has been switched off like for you know a couple months or something like that. So this stuff has been lying around in bits and pieces for a while, and his mom actually threw away portions of his reactor in the trash. Yeah, I mean, that's how you dispose of it. You know, when you're getting rid of the expired milk and your peaches and fucking nuclear waste. <laughs> I don't think she knew what she was throwing away. I don't think she did either. No. Uh, the the fu the funny thing is, is that after, before the EPA got involved and after the police had arrested him, nobody could agree what 
or who had control of the situation, who had jurisdiction. Uh, nuclear Regulatory Commission was like, well, we can't touch it. It's not a nuclear reactor that we run. Uh, it's not a regulated nuclear facility. Uh, the police were like, we don't have jurisdiction. We don't know how to clean up a nuclear reactor. So a lot of back and forth before the EPA finally took over. Yeah, the cops are like, we don't even know how to frame somebody right half the time. We're not cleaning this shit up. <laughs> That's the end of David's nuclear reactor, basically. And what do they do with him? Like They, they let him he... go, basically. Like they, they had him detail everything. Okay, like they said, okay, we're not going to arrest you, but we'll let you go, cooperate with us, help us clean this up and stuff like that. And, and, and that was the end of the arresting. I mean, I guess... I, I, I know I've asked this question to you before, like, but what do you charge him with? Like, in this case, I just honestly don't know. Like, what do you charge... Like, is there a law for this? I mean, I don't know if there's a law against radiating your entire neighborhood, but there probably fucking should be. <laughs> I don't think it's good for it. That's the thing, right? It's one of those obscure incidents where it's, should we even legislate for this? Like, do we need to? Are we, like, you know, who would ever expect that to happen? It's like, oh, we better make sure there's a law on the books in case someone builds a nuclear reactor in their backyard. Right, but you, I mean, it would still get him away scot-free, but if nothing else, write it afterwards mm -hmm. so that we don't, you know, the next time a 15-year-old builds a nuclear reactor in the fucking backyard shed, because that happens all the time, you know, we can do something about it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, I don't know. David's life continued on after that. It, uh, it's kind of uneventful in a way, but some weird stuff did happen. He went on to join the Navy, and he served in the Navy for several years. His goal was, of course, to work on nuclear reactors, like on a nuclear submarine or something, but I guess... I don't know if I'd be letting them near one of those. <laughs> they or didn't. maybe that's exactly where you want them. Well, they didn't. They actually didn't. Uh, he worked in communications in the Navy. So he was just making phone calls. Yeah, I, or something like that. Like I, I, I don't know exactly what you would do in the communications in the United States Navy. But his goal was to work with nuclear reactors and these nuclear-powered naval vessels that the United States has. He ended up doing not doing that. He served in the Navy for several years. Then he joined the Marines. Uh, he served in the Marines for a few years as a truck driver. And then that was the end of his military career. Boring. Pretty much. But it's got a little bit stranger after that uh he kind of I, I guess he had some mental health issues and things like that and uh he had to be on disability because of uh some kind of schizophrenia or something like that i'm not sure exactly what it was he was diagnosed with i forgot to write it in my notes but he had some mental health issues he was arrested in 2006 or 2007 i forget exactly what uh, but he was arrested by the FBI, <laughs> you're going to love this biscuit, for stealing smoke detectors from buildings. I, I was going to make a joke that he was arrested for stealing smoke detectors. Were you? Because he and, was. And, and then, um, <laughs> how many in possession? Like, did he have a stash? It, it doesn't say how many he had, just that he was stealing smoke detectors. And of course, the immediate suspicion is that he's, he wants to try and build another nuclear reactor. I would think so, yeah. It's mm -hmm. not typically a high-priority item to, you know, fence on the street. So, <laughs> give us history. Hey, buddy. 
Uh, you want to buy a smoke detector? <laughs> I also got a washer machine door. <laughs> when you look up David Hahn on the internet, and I will link to all this in the show notes, most of the articles that uh, talk about him show his mugshot from when he was arrested in 2006 by the FBI, and uh, his face is is covered in sores, basically. And a lot of people speculate that this is because of, like, radiation sickness, uh, because of handling this radioactive material. He's, like, halfway towards being a Batman villain. Uh, like like transforming from the radiation or something like that? Yeah, you, you could call him, like, if he got a bunch of sores, you call him, like, Bubbles or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, despite being exposed to so much radiation, he refused to ever be tested for how much radiation he had been exposed to by the EPA or by any other scientist who asked him. I guess he was afraid to know. I I would... If somebody looks at you and their first thought is radiation poisoning, then, yeah, I wouldn't want to know that number either because it's got to be up there. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. They skip over, like, oh, do you have a rash? And go straight to the radiation sickness. Uh, Like, what the fuck's up with your face? I mean, you have... Radiation poisoning? (laughs) Uh, Listeners, you can have a look in the show notes. You can see his mugshot. Uh, Sadly, David Hahn is no longer with us. Oh, no. Not the Hahnster. Can you guess why? Uh, Died of radiation poisoning. Nope. Alcohol. Yeah. Didn't expect that one coming, did you? I kind of did. I Mm. I was going to guess died from eating a smoke detector next, but then I would have gone there. Well, sadly, he, he... you know, had some mental health issues, as I explained, and alcohol and fentanyl combination or something like that was the reason that he died at age 39 back in 2016. Who knows how long he would have lived if uh, alcohol and drugs hadn't taken his life. I'd be curious to know, like, how much that radiation had affected him. But uh, Or what he would have transformed into. <laughs> yeah, or what crazy comic book character he might have become, yeah. They call me Smokey, you see. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I throw smoke detectors. I haven't really hashed this one out yet. Would you say this situation is unique? I would say most situations that a 15-year-old builds a nuclear reactor are pretty unique, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> He's not the only person who's built a nuclear reactor at home. I looked this up because I was curious to see, you know, has anyone else tried this? And apparently they have. There was a Swedish man, Richard Handel, unemployed uh, Swedish man, and he just said, I'm going to build a nuclear reactor in my kitchen. And put it next to the meat, the balls. (laughs) Luckily, his process was shut down because I guess uh, he called the radiation or regulation authorities to ask them whether it was legal or not and they basically said okay we're sending police to your house and they found Why him do you ask? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they sent him along to say hey stop what you're doing you can't build a nuclear reactor in your kitchen sent the Swedish cops over and they were like pork 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 One other thing that I thought was interesting, the University of Chicago has a scavenger hunt every year, and one of the items on the list is a breeder reactor built in a shed, and the Boy Scout badge to prove credit was given where the Boy Scout credit was due. What the fuck did he just say? Yeah, I know. Now, reading it now. Okay, so, wait. The item on the scavenger hunt list is a breeder reactor built in a shed, and the Boy Mm -hmm. Scout badge to prove credit was given 
where Boy Scout credit was due. Yeah, that's still painfully put together. Yeah, so, I know. Uh, I didn't make this list. Anyway, yeah, Justin Casper and Fred Neal uh, built a reactor that produced plutonium in a single day using scrap aluminum, uh, al- scrap aluminum and carbon sheets. And we couldn't be prouder. Yeah, for this scavenger hunt thing. Like, honestly, if if you have that ability, you're gonna dedicate it to a scavenger hunt. Okay. Well, okay. I think I think a lot of these things on the list are kind of a joke. But these guys just yeah. took the joke and ran with it. Like, some of the other things on their list was a French-Canadian. <laughs> Ew. Or a Fisher-Price baby's first flamethrower. Now that would be cool. You know? I you could use it those. on the French-Canadian. <laughs> one less. Okay, one other guy I'll mention. Taylor Wilson also either designed or built, like, a nuclear reactor at a very young age. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, here. At the age of 14, he produced nuclear fusion using a fuser and was the youngest person to ever do so. And his parents were terrified. I think he did it in a much more of a lab- laboratory setting because uh, it doesn't mention anything about him being arrested or anything like that. And you can find pictures on the Internet of him standing with uh, Barack Obama. Oh, so, so if Obama's he if, in office. Yeah, <laughs> so if he was a dangerous nuclear threat, I don't think they would have let uh, the president uh, that close to him. Unless his reptilian overlords were in on it, and this was part of a bigger thing. <laughs> uh, we need to do an episode about the reptilians. Yeah, we definitely do. David Icke, that's, that's material for another time. Okay, Biscuit, the question I always uh, ask... Oh, he's like my favorite dipshit. <laughs> okay. The question I always ask, what did we learn from this? That spray painting a can is not a nuclear reactor, so I was lied to. Mm -hmm. And I think it's reiterated what we've already known, that reach for the stars and you can be whatever you want to be. Like a fuck-up that dies in their late 30s with nuclear pimples. If, if any listeners out there are aspiring to that, then please call a loved one and have them talk you out of it. Mama, when I grow up, I'm going to die of nuclear pimples. <laughs> Biscuit, let's leave it that. Yeah. Let's, I let's... like to always go out with a positive image. Yes, yes. Because <laughs> we leave on so many positive images. Pod people, thank you for listening in to what has been the 10th episode of Big Bad Nonsense. I hope you've enjoyed your time. Biscuit, do we have anything to plug? Um... I don't know if plug, if anybody's going to be up in Atlantic City June 1st, I am going to be at uh, GCW Tournament of Survival. You should show up and buy me something. I'm assuming this is some kind of wrestling event. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to watch grown men hit each other with vacuum cleaners and shit. It's going to be fun. That sounds pretty awesome, I must admit. Yeah, let's get some big bad bozos up there. Have a party. So with that, let me remind people that we can be emailed bigbadnonsense at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at BigBadNonsense. If you want to meet up with Biscuit for people being hit with vacuum cleaners, hit us up there. Also, you can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. If you thought the show was great, if you enjoyed it, please do share it with a friend. We like to go for the whole pyramid scheme of marketing. You share it with three friends, they share it with three more friends, and eventually... Uh, three times the population of the Earth will be listening to Big Bad Nonsense. Boat! Boat!
Why are there no photos of historical figures such as Louis the Fourteenth, Beethoven, or George Washington? Those <laughs> <laughs> uh, Polaroid cameras around, and yet nobody snapped one of Georgie. <laughs> They're harder to take photos of than Bigfoot. <laughs>